And now, prepare your ear holes for penetration as we bring you another great podcast from the Poop Culture Extended Universe. fellow poopers before we get this episode started wanted to take a second to tell you about something really cool that the man crush and myself stumbled upon it's time-junkies.com they are this really cool retro website they sent us a package and we're going to open it here and go through it with you guys right before we start the show that's right these guys are really cool they sent us a box they're out of england and they still send us stuff over they do ship to the united states Obviously, they ship to the UK. But let's open this box to see what we got. I'm yeah. excited. We got the 80s gift box here. And let's see. Right here, we got uh, three or two comics and a magazine. We got Famous Monsters, uh, nice. issue 184. Ooh, this sucker is old. Actually, this is uh, he gave us a mixture box because this is from June 92. Oh, wow. Nice. These things are so hard to come across, too. I have no clue where he finds all this stuff. If you try to find old books, old magazines from 80s and 90s, good luck. Um, and if you do, they're in horrible condition. This stuff here, um, I mean, I mean, looking at these uh, cards that we, he sent us in the, in the box. You get a Rambo card. Look at that. There you go, Man Crush. Boom. Rocky Four card. Yeah, this is a good card pack, man. Oh, man. A-Team. Superman. I love that Superman card. Supergirl. The Invisible Man. Nice. Back to the Future. I want to frame that, and I'm going to put that right here in the Man Cave studio. Oh, That's man. awesome. It's not every day you get to see I Like, I remember buying these cards as a kid. Of course, I don't have them anymore because my parents gave all my shit to Goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> This is so cool. They sent us all this stuff, and they sent us another really cool thing here. Do you remember this right here? This oh, little, uh, yeah. This gnome oh, with the I hair. Love those things, the trolls. Troll, that's what it is. <laughs> the troll, and it came with all this really cool candy. You gotta love the retro candy. We ate it when we were kids. If you still have teeth, you can enjoy it now. So, <laughs> and and look at this copy of Risky Business on VHS. Quite possibly the only good Tom Cruise movie. You only like him because of the underwear. Ah, uh, dude, check this out. We got 245s. We got Tina Turner. Yeah, this is pretty cool stuff. And I love that they have the original sleeves still on the 45s. Those are super hard to find still. And if you do, they're ripped. These are not. These are in really good shape. And this cassette. What is this? Night Beat 2. You can listen to this to get busy. I'm popping this in my truck because, you know, I still have a cassette tape player in my truck. Oh, the two other comics. You got a 2000 AD. It has Judge Dredd in it. Nice. I love nice Judge Dredd. episode right there. Man, you don't even see him like this. this is a... Yeah, I can't believe the condition of all the stuff that he sent us. It's really good. It's, it looks like it has been sitting in the box that we got it in since the 80s and 90s. 
Oh, and a flying glider. Slip this sucker right in here. This was the highlight of my childhood, was going to the grocery store each week and picking out the best balsa wood glider. And, <laughs> oh, man, you'd spend like 20 minutes putting it together perfectly, and then it will fly for like two seconds. And then break. And then breaks. But they're well, great. Here, you could do it all over again. I am. I'm going to I'm gonna have some fun with this one. I'm going to the roof now. You light it on <laughs> fire. You're an adult. Oh, I should. We could <laughs> dip it in gas. Yes. <laughs> the things we couldn't do as all children. Right. Yeah, don't do that, guys. But what you should do is go over to time-junkies.com. You know, don't send flowers or kinky lingerie. How about something personalized? How about a gift? That's 20 or 30, 40 years old from your childhood. Give someone back their childhood. They can get classic LPs, trading cards, comics, magazines, books that you might have read in school when you were in elementary. All of these things can reunite you with your past. And you can give this to somebody as a gift if you go over to time-junkies.com. It's only like 30 bucks. It's cheap. Just think about your time trying to go out and find all this stuff. It's not worth it. Just buy it from Time Junkies. And I got something special. You know what we're going to do right here, Mark? What? Whoever wins this battle, this duel, 80s or 90s, I've talked to Time Junkies, and they're going to give a free box to whatever decade wins. Oh, man, that's going to be awesome. Because if they get a box as good as what we just got... But I'm going to take one up on that. We're not going to keep the box. We'll give it away. We'll oh. give it away on our Twitter. Oh, this is great. Yeah, at Poop Culture. Check it out. Probably a day or two after the episode drops, we'll put a contest up on our Twitter and fire away. Now, hopefully it'll be an 80s box and we win, but we'll see. Of course it's going to be an 80s box. We have never lost a duel of the decades. The Mama Lukes are undefeated. So stay tuned. In just a moment, we're going to start this episode of the Duel of the Decades. Pay attention on social media later when this episode drops how you can win an 80s box or a 90s box. But it's going to be an 80s box because, once again, the Mama Lukes will be undefeated. We don't lose. We never lose. We don't die. We multiply. People engage. It's time for Jewel of the Decades. The Matrix of Blade versus Bloodsport and Renegade. Scrap on that cap. Bust out the power glove. Come fight for what you love. Jewel of the Decades. Poop culture popping pins. Dropping hand grenades. Van Halen locked in Mortal Kombat with David Gray. Found out ballet and sick. I am made of GNR. Come fight for what you love. Jewel of the Decades. Broadcasting live on digital delay from a secret dojo located deep inside the ooze of the New York City sewer system. It's the Poop Culture Podcast. This week, it's the return of the Duel of the Decades. May 1985 versus May 1995. To keep the law and order on tonight's Retro Renegades, back on the program, it's the Honorable Mike Ranger. I am the law. Introducing the challengers. From the Everything I Learned from Movies podcast, it's Steve and Izzy, the Six Demon Bag. And allow me to introduce our team, the undisputed, the undefeated, the uncanny champions, the Mama Lukes. I, of course, am Mark James, and joining me is my teammate and partner in slime, Rick. What is going on, Man Crush? (laughs) Let's get it on. Let's do this. Let's do this. For everybody at home, we just went through the first power outage ever on the Poop Culture Podcast in four years. So I'm ready to rock and roll. 
no fucking monologue. Let's just get right to it. We're doing Duel of the Decades. We got May of 85 versus May of 95. We got the law here. We're ready to rock for the rules real quick. First three rounds, one point each. We'll have uh, the law over there do the ceremonial VHS tape cover flip patented. And uh, that will decide the first pick. And then whoever wins that, you select the first one and we just go from there. First round, first three of the rounds are one point each. Last two rounds are two points each. All right, everybody ready to go? Let's do the uh, the flip here, Mike. And let's have the challengers call it mid flip. Okay. Oh, first show heads and tails, yeah. We're going to do our ceremonial flip with the usual River of Death VHS, accompanied nice. by a Get Shorty VHS inside. <laughs> I, w- I will not tell that story again on how disappointed I was that Christmas morning. <laughs> One, two, three. Heads. It is Tails. Mama Luke's. Damn it, Steve. You have we the will ball. take the ball. We'll take the ball. All right, where do you want to go first, Man Crush? Just get it out of the way. You want to go with um, hot products? You want to go music? Up to you, man. You decide. Let's go music. All right, you go first. All right, I would love to go first because I cannot wait to talk about this one. It is one of my absolute favorite James Bond songs from Duran Duran, A View to a Kill, released May 6, 1985. And to this day, it remains the only James Bond theme song to have reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It also made number two on the UK singles chart. God, I love this song. I listened to it again today after we spoke about it. Into the fire. Oh, it sounds just like it. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> you're <right. laughs> oh, you're not playing a recording? Yes, that's that's what where it works. It's all we need. Sorry. It's really good, though. If you listen to it once, it'll stick in your head. And the cool thing about that song is it's the only Bond song to ever hit number one in the Billboard cha- charts. Think about it. Even up to, like, they had an Adele song just a couple of years ago. <laughs> no, shit, man. I really hate to, to down on my own teammate here, but that little tidbit of information that you gave... If you were paying fucking attention I when I said <laughs> that it is the only James Bond song to ever reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100. I was reiterating your point to drive the point home. <laughs> okay, well. And now everybody knows. Did you guys know that it is the only James Bond song to ever reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100? I found that out twice just today. It was incredible. No, no, I'm pretty sure it was an Adele song. Uh, Also, fun little fact about that movie. uh, Up until uh, uh, recently, when Judy Dench came on, it was the only Bond movie to have an Academy Award winning actor or actress in it. Or or, or no, Halle Berry was the next one. Halle Berry was after that, right. Dance. (laughs) All right, I cannot wait to hear what your music selection is, Man Crush. What do you got? All right, so this band's fifth studio album yielded five hit singles, which, of course, include Money for Nothing, Walk of Life, Brothers in Arms. This album won two Grammys. It was nominated for Album of the Year, Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Legendary album. Absolutely legendary. It is super legendary for a couple different reasons, all right? Number one, and I didn't know this before this episode. I always loved the album, never knew this. 
30 million albums sold worldwide. Yeah. 10 weeks at number one in the U.S. It was number one in the U.K. It was number one in Australia for 34 weeks. How does wow. that even happen? Number one. Because they're isolated. They don't have anything else. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 26th best-selling album of all time. The, the other big thing from this album, though, too, is they sold 1 million compact discs, and they were the first record... It's weird to say it like that. It's the first record album. Well, like, what do you say? But the it was the first CD to sell one million copies, and it was the first time ever that the sales from the digital CD outmatched the LP, yeah, which was on the album. So, and on top of that, uh, Brothers in Arms is reported to be the world's first CD single. And if you look at it from this aspect, how huge this was, they recorded most of this album in digital. The, when the record company saw that this album took off and sold a million copies on compact disc, which they were all lukewarm on for years because it came out in 1982 and they just figured nobody would care. They just listened to their cassettes and albums. They saw the money that this made. So what did the record companies do? They went back and re-released fucking everything going back to the dawn of time and CDs like exploded. If you listen to this album, the other cool thing about this album is it's made for a studio and it's made for digital with all the instruments going on. Yeah. You know, you even listen to like the most popular song, obviously money for nothing. It's in the era of MTV and that's what it's all about. And when was the last time you heard faggot in a song? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, and I feel dirty hearing it now. Like when I like it plays, I'm like, I just kind of skipped that one. I don't say it out loud. I felt bad saying it right there. I didn't mean anything by it. It's in, it's the lyrics. All right, so we need our uh, our two choices for music, eh? In 1995, uh, there was an incredible song that topped the charts from actually mid-April until uh, Memorial Day weekend. It reached platinum, and that song is... This is how we do it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Little Montel Jordan. Montel right. Jordan, yes. Now, he used to come up to him and he would say, "Six-eight, he stood. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the records that he made was good. But then he met a DJ. I think Paul was his name? <laughs> Horrible rendition of the lyrics. But uh, yeah, incredible song. Always gets the booty shaken. Any party you're in. Doesn't matter. White, black, Hispanic, whatever. Everybody loves the song. Yep. Makes me want to reach for my 40 and turn it up. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Don't act like it's not playing in your head right now. Oh, it is. I got to get you're mine right. in a big black truck. You can get yours in a 6 form. <laughs> <laughs> now we got to cut a, a couple points for that because it did it didn't come out in may of 95 oh but it was number one all four or five weeks so all right <laughs> you know i'm gonna make a judge's decision on that i'm gonna i'm gonna say that counts oh all right can we throw out a couple number ones from uh may 1985 i think i think that'd be a good idea all right uh just to even it out i mean shit we might as well um don't you forget about me Little song by uh, Simple Minds. It was a little bit of a popular song for a while, I think. There was a movie that came out with that, right? Yeah, I think so. It was like a movie or something. It was like they were in high school. Yeah, Judd Nelson was in a cafeteria or library or some shit. Something about detention, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I could really, really go for some breakfast right now. (laughs) (laughs) Or a little album called uh, No Jacket Required, which was number one. Yeah. Phil Collins. It's one of his better albums. We'll just we'll keep it at that. We'll just we'll just drop two. Well, yeah, just two. That'll work. That'll work. Alrighty. Well, I guess we got to return uh, fire with fire. 
was released album was called short bus with a song called hey man nice shot uh Ooh. yeah a lot of people think it's about the suicide of kurt cobain but they would be wrong turns out it was actually written about a senator uh R. Bud dwyer who was convicted of bribery charges in 1986 and was expected to relieve a really long sentence and so uh professing his innocence during a press conference he shot himself with a .357 Magnum. Ooh, shit. He's getting the job done. Yeah, I've seen that clip. It was actually on uh, Faces of Death on one of the volumes of that. Yeah, I, I seem to remember, it's not in this article, but I seem to remember hearing uh, it was live TV and they like didn't realize it was going to happen, so they didn't cut it. Oh, no, it was not cut. <laughs> the, the camera was right on him the whole time. It's really disturbing. Highly recommend watching it. <laughs> yeah. And so I feel like uh, taking points away takes points away from this poor man's passing. <laughs> so wait, so you're saying the filter song takes away from it? No, I'm saying if you took points away from our team, oh. you would be disrespecting. <laughs> uh, he the he killed himself. It doesn't count. There's no sorrow. Also released uh, in May of 95, Pink Floyd's Pulse. And uh, Bob Dylan's Unplugged, which I'm not sure if that's a plus or minus. <laughs> Pulse is an excellent album. It's actually one, of, I hate to say it, but yeah. it might be my favorite Pink Floyd album. I know that's kind of blasphemous, but it's a double live album. One half of the, the first half is some new songs and the greatest hits. Second half is all of Dark Side of the Moon in its entirety live. So it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a fantastic album. Uh, I believe your father was buried in a dark side uh, of the moon. Album, right? I think it was actually the Pulse album that played at his funeral, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> There's a video of it, and I believe it's on YouTube, or you can go to Amazon and purchase it. it. There was a concert video that came out with Pulse. Greatest concert video I've ever seen. The light show is amazing. During Great Gig in the Sky, an airplane actually comes down over the entire audience and crashes into the side of the stage. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. <laughs> I love when Mark tries to tank our own team. I'm not. I'm just saying right it's, a, it's fucking a fucking get-go. great album, man. That's all. We're just all appreciating good music and various pop culture things here. Yeah. Well, then you can't bring up Filter. Why not? <laughs> what? Come on. I just love how they chose Filter over Pink Floyd. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then he's like, oh, they played that song at my dad's funeral, but I'm not going to pick it. I'm going to pick fucking Filter. I I totally thought it was about Kurt Cobain, and Izzy was like, no, no, it's about that guy that killed himself on TV. So we were researching it last night, and I was like, oh, shit. He doubted this, me. This has to come up, because I'm sure there's people out there like me that don't know better. Yeah, well, hey, man, nice pick. Boom. <laughs> 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 All right, the Honorable Mike, the Law Ranger. You guys really had me with, with the Montel. I was very, very excited with where it was going to go, and then you fucking gave me filter and i lost all hope um but at the same time mark came up with a fucking bond song that i've never fucking heard of what, what? How, really how do you not know that do you wait hold on dance into the fire no i've, I've heard of it but i could care less about this song <laughs> there's one thing he cares less about than filter is <laughs> duran duran apparently <laughs> do you like listening to cds or did you I uh, prefer uh, records uh, ah. simply because I like to do things as difficultly as possible. 
Uh, so I am going to award this round to Six Demon Bag. Whoa! Yeah! yeah. Woo! We're on the board, baby! Boom! You picked Filter over <laughs> Dire Straits? No, no, no. I, I picked uh, This Is Big How We Do It, it. Oh. over over the Bond song. If, if Mark had literally said any other answer, you guys would have won that round. <laughs> <laughs> if Mark would have skipped his turn. <laughs> All right, so that means you guys control the board. For Hot Products in May of 1995, uh, there was the North American release of a little game console known as Sega Saturn. Uh, perhaps you've heard of it. Uh, it was released in North America on May 11th. Wonderful 32-bit gaming console. Uh, as far as like how many units old, <laughs> I saw everything from like 9 to 17 million on various things. So we'll go with 12 million units old. Not too bad. Uh, of course, some of the legendary games in it. Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Virtua Fighter, all those Capcom fighting games. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, Sega Rally Championship. A little, mm-hmm. uh, little gaming system that came around for about yeah, three years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great way to tank your own pick. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, my pick is still around. Something many of us enjoy on a daily basis. Yeah, enjoyed earlier today. Animas. Uh, in May of 1995, the blue M&Ms were released. <laughs> they replaced the tan ones after America voted. We have blue M&Ms. Do you guys even remember the tan ones? I loved the no. tan ones. I don't know why they got rid of them. Yeah, they tasted like chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta go for blue. I never paid attention to that, to be honest. Yeah, I, rem- <laughs> I remember when they did that, and it was absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Because if you remember, America got to vote on what color M&M, and we couldn't decide. Democracy. That was like the hardest decision. No one could decide. What are the choices? Blue uh, and purple. Purple was one of them, yeah. You can't eat purple candy. No, not chocolate. No. All the other colors that they now have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, democracy works. That's what I'm hearing. We can't even believe that because there's rumors that the uh, the Hershey Candy Company was in cohorts and kind of rigged the the election. Of course. Hershey interfered. Why didn't they have blue from the get-go? I don't know. <laughs> it's like a standard fucking color. It's one of the primary colors, technically. It's probably they didn't have the proper food coloring uh, until the, judge uh, needs to speak. the 90s. Excuse me, order, uh, order. Um, <laughs> Mark, what the fuck is a cohort? <laughs> <laughs> cohorts. If you're in cohorts with somebody. A cohort. That's when you're in college and you're in the same class with the same 20 people for four years. Cahoots? Cohorts. Cahoots. Cahoots? It's cahoots. cahoots. I say cahoots. I've always it's said cahoots. cahoots. I'm like, what, I'm like what, what What? the hell is a you? Yeah, cohorts <laughs> a group cahoots. of people that you, yeah. you stick uh, with. Uh, some more fun facts about blue M&Ms. Uh, the choices were blue, pink, or purple to replace the tan ones. Blue won by 54%. You could call in to 1-800-FUN-COLORS to place your vote. Um, call collect. When the blue M&M won, it appeared on stage with B.B. King in all of their commercials. Yeah, we're going to get rid of the tan M&M and then have the Mm -hmm. blue one go on stage with B.B. King. Because he's got the blues. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so there you go. BB King approved. <laughs> I get it. Who who would have uh, come out on stage with the pink M M&M? and M? Pink, pink. Yeah. Oh wait, was she a thing in '95? <laughs> yeah, she was like '99 or something. Uh, Cindy Lauper. Yeah, that would have been cool. And then purple, of course, would have been Prince. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, the artist formerly known as Prince. Yeah. So would Michael Jackson have been the white Eminem? <laughs> <laughs> right, he was the one they removed. He would have been the tan one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon, yeah. Guess what color the Cosby Eminem was going to be? <laughs> what color are Quaaludes again? <laughs> Mark? I remember being in high school. You know the color of quaaludes? No, nope, no. They're yellow, but that's beside the point. The m and still would have tasted like curry. <laughs> All right, so we went with the blue m M&M and what was the other one? I forgot already. The Sega Saturn. Sega Saturn. Sega Saturn. All right. Okay. All right, Mark. I'll lead off. Go right ahead. I always wanted one of these being a BBS nerd when I was like, you know, early teens 10 years old or whatever and this was the u.s robotics courier 2400 baud modem and right around october of 1984 hayes which was the biggest brand at the time they had announced that they were putting out a 2400 baud modem which is double the speed of what was out currently then rather it was a 1200 baud and they were putting this thing out for 899 and then microcom jumped in the scene and they were putting it out for 999 USR sat in the back and they were just like, we'll wait it out. They waited till February to announce it and they came out at six ninety nine, which automatically launched them to the top of the market. They launched it in about May of 85. This doubled the speed of the internet. And I don't know if you guys were on the internet back then. Oh, yeah. Not many people were. They might have been on their uh, their Q-Link or their CompuServe or whatever. But for six ninety nine, what they were releasing this thing for, that's $1,600 in today's money. But it was twice the speed of that 1200 baud. You had to pay another $69 to use the software for it, but it was extremely popular for people getting online at the time. And when I was getting online in 1986, I had a shitty 300-baud modem. And I remember one time we went on CompuServe and we were downloading. Uh, me and my cousin were sitting there. No, it wasn't even porn. It was the uh, top... <laughs> like America's most wanted list. And we were downloading the picture of the number one guy. <laughs> and for like a black and white shitty fucking grayscale picture. By the time it loaded, they caught the fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It took like 25 minutes to load this little fucking picture. I mean, that was an 86. I could have had the 2400 baud and, you know, it probably would only taken like three minutes to get that photo. But th- this was huge at the time because people were actually starting to come online you know, BBSs, like I said, CompuServe, Prodigy, all those things were coming on right at this time. So it was a big item that came out May of 85. All right. So for my item, you know, on May 7th, 1985, the Nike company filed a trademark for the Wings logo that they used on the very first pair of a little pair of sneakers called Air Jordans. The very first pair of Air Jordans did not have the Jumpman logo. It had the Nike swoosh logo and then the Wings logo, which was a basketball and it had two wings. Kind of looks like the uh, Airborne logo. It was one of the top-selling shoes of all time. Still is one of the most traded and sold shoes online in the aftermarket. So it's highly collectible. And that's when it all started, was on May 7th, 
1985. That's right. And a couple months prior to that, of course, uh, that was the year he was he was drafted in 84. He had that awesome rookie season in 85, and Nike gave him a $2 million sponsorship. Absolutely unheard of at that time. No, it was it huge. Completely changed the market of celebrity endorsements. For a rookie. Yeah. Yeah, for a rookie too, yeah. And of course, now we got like 55 Air Jordans later. Right. So, however, how many months later was it that he uh, blew out his ankle and was out the rest of the year? Probably wearing those air- same Air Jordans. <laughs> well, that was, <laughs> was that's that? 86, man. That's 86 that and 85. Yeah. Yeah, the 85, he took him okay. to the playoffs. Just making sure, just making sure. No, he actually wore these Air Jordans throughout the entire NBA season, even though they were banned. That's why the nickname for the Air Jordan 1s are the band, because they were banned by the NBA because of the color combinations of black and red. They didn't meet league specifications, so the commissioner, David Stern, had banned them and was fining Michael Jordan $5,000 per game that he wore them. And because of all the publicity, Nike agreed to pay that for him. And he wore them for all 82 games of the season. Who had a good r- rookie season in 95 and got a pair of shoes? <laughs> uh, Stefan Marbury? <laughs> he made his own shoes. Yeah, yeah the, the Starbirds. Yeah. The Star- yeah, they were like nine ninety nine. dollars 99 Well, and back in uh, 1985, I mean, $5,000, that was like half of the season's salary right yeah <laughs> that, that's a lot of dough all right honorable mike ranger for decision well uh first thing i'm going to say to uh six demon bag is if you're looking to win a round you don't start it off with the sega saturn um, <laughs> and i'm, 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 I'm going to tell you why because i was there on launch day and not only do i still own it but it's sitting right in front of me with about 40 games it took me a good yeah. 20 years to figure out what the good games were I was such a fucking disappointed child. $400 for that fucking thing. So, so what are the two good games? You know what's actually really good on the Sega Saturn? The port of Resident Evil. The, oh, yeah. That is actually a very good port, and I've rented the shit out of that. Um, but, I mean, obviously, Virtual Cop. The, the Sega Saturn today is a fucking great system, but at the time, man, I was so disappointed. But it held, it, it stood the test of time. You still have it. I do. Within I do. But he also has an Atari 2600 and a Nintendo. Then there's a Dreamcast, you know, <laughs> a Sega CD and a 32X. Yeah, a couple of things. Oh. How many Air Jordans do you have in your view right now? Do you have them on your feet? Or? Not one. Not <laughs> one. <laughs> not Definitely one not pair. two. But Blue M&M's is actually pretty fucking cool. I remember, I remember that. But the Sega Saturn and the Blue M&M's <laughs> can't, you know hold a candle to the internet and Jordans. So this uh, round uh, is going. The internet. the internet was not invented in 1985. <laughs> Simply a computer. That no, it's just, it's just a modem. That's how you got online. Yeah. You know, if you want to play global thermal nuclear war, this is how you got to fucking do it. <laughs> so this round goes to the Mama Luke's. All right. Ooh. Mama Luke's on the board. Congrats. Right. And we have control of said board. All right. Last single point round. Last single point round. Where do you want to go with this one, Man Crush? Oh, whatever. Pick, just pick one. Let's go movies. No, 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 not that one. <laughs> you said anyone. <laughs> All right. We well, that'd be movies. stupid right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it would. It's a single point round. Yeah. Come on, Mark. Yeah. Okay. We got to go with the strategy, I guess. We had pick a strategy. One. We got to stick to the pick, plan. Pick one. Pick one. Uh, let's go to news. Hmm. Okay. Because on May 17th, 1985, arguably the best basketball player to ever play the game 
was selected as the NBA's Rookie of the Year. We were just talking about him. That is Michael Jordan. He defeated Akeem, the Dream Olajuwon, to become the Rookie of the Year. Not only did Jordan lead the Bulls in scoring, rebounding, assists, steals, baldness, but he also (laughs) brought them to their first playoff appearance in years and was third in the league with 28 points a game. Went on to be not one of the, the greatest basketball player of all time, sorry LeBron, but he was not the first selected in the draft that year. Third. Yeah. He was third. So was Sam Darnold, I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, the comparisons already start. (laughs) Sam Darnold to Michael Jordan. All right. Well, you know, Michael Jordan saved the Chicago Bulls. Maybe Sam Darnold will save the Jets. Hopefully. Hopefully, Michael Jordan will save this round. On to you. (laughs) All right. May 24th, 1985, there was a little story about a company called Quantum Computer Services. Anybody heard of it? Uh, Rings a bell. Yeah, nobody's heard of it. Uh, They opened their doors May 24th, 1985. Quantum Computer Services, or Quantum Link, or even Q-Link, to those who are familiar with the company, they were interested in networking Commodore computers at the time. So remember, this was before the general public even had a sniff of what the Internet was. Uh, I know Mike was excited about it before talking about the Internet, but this is kind of where this thing started and where it's going. So this company started, and they they grew to a a few hundred thousand subscribers fairly quickly. They offered chat, games, shopping, message boards, and they also created this slogan that was, you've got mail. And, uh, you know, years later, they had a habit of sending absurd amounts of CD-ROMs to your house and, you know, free hours of internet and network use. Any of this sound familiar? It does. You could get up to 1,500 (laughs) hours for free, I've heard. (laughs) <laughs> it's true. I'm glad you know that because uh, in 1989, they actually changed their name from Qu- Quantum Computer Services to America Online. And of course, America Online went on to have a 30 million subscriber base. And if you think about it like this, what they did with their blanket marketing back in the day with the CDs, really taking it back. They, they were going to the future with their te- technology, but their marketing, they wheeled back to the 60s and 70s, and they just guerrilla marketed this thing. They went out there and like just carpet bombed CDs to everybody and their mother to the point where they're paying like $1.50 per CD. They were spending about $300 per new sign-up, and the company was making like $100 billion. Yeah. And- the fact that they were sending these CDs out, it was getting people to know what the internet was. So you talk about the internet and starting the internet. No, the AOL didn't do it, but without AOL in the nineties, really catapulting the whole system and getting half of America online. This is where it started. Right, They were the first company to commercialize and market the internet for commercial purposes to a mass consumer audience. Your grandmother was on the internet because of AOL. <laughs> exactly. And a CD-ROM. They're the uh, Columbia of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they didn't charge you a penny. <laughs> and they didn't charge you $20 in shipping later either, fuckers. But yeah, that's it. May 24th, 1985, <laughs> Quantum Computer Services started. Open their doors. Excellent. Well, for our news clips of uh, May 1995, on May 11th, 1995, in New York City... Uh, more than 170 countries decided to extend the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, 
indefinitely and without conditions. So no uh, no nuclear weapons used since, and the world is a safe place for everybody, right? No, uh... You say since, though, but when was the last time a nuclear weapon was used prior to that? Hey, can we not jinx <laughs> this, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be topical or anything, but uh, let's just not what do you jinx mean? this. North Korea's well, stopping their shit. Come on. I just got a Google alert. <laughs> no, that's just my powers out again. <laughs> oh, oh, yep, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Well, now we know why apparently <laughs> monsters at the drive-in transformer <laughs> <laughs> also later in may of 1995 based on uh, recent superman movies i'm gonna assume in accordance with the uh, nuclear treaty um <laughs> unfortunately actor christopher reeves is paralyzed from the neck down on may 27th after falling from his horse happens does if i had a nickel <laughs> hey i mean that it just that it... ruins it i mean the thought that fucking superman is paralyzed was absolutely crushing and then became one of the greatest like uh american disabilities uh civil rights leaders like in our history he also created superman for the quest for peace no ken films that... created that yeah, exactly <laughs> he was in it and he took part of that deal he did because yeah. he was superman he, he uh... tried to take care of nuclear weapons his way but then the treaty came around and <laughs> finished the job well there's actually a little known fact it was nuclear man so... <laughs> <laughs> nuclear man <laughs> we just talked the uh, a couple episodes ago about how bad the fight scenes in that movie were oh yeah especially on the moon or yeah, it was oh. on the, moon, right? yeah. <laughs> the staged punches oh god it was so bad <laughs> so we got uh nuclear no nuclear and christopher reese is dead or not dead, but no. paralyzed. He, he was still making movies afterwards. That actual yeah. re- TV movie of Rendo isn't that bad. It's not that good either, but <laughs> it's, it's better movie. than it could be. It's better than it should be being a TV movie. Also, again, he became one of the greatest uh, ADA advocates in our history. Is he better than the internet? I mean, can you use the internet twice? I mean, he never gave me porn, but I feel like America Online is a big deal looking back on it but i don't feel like this was a major article at the time i don't feel like this sold papers now superman can't walk fucking took over Ooh, the world whoa, whoa, whoa judge judge we talked about this last time you got to talk about overall pop culture significance yeah but america online all that did for you, people I, I, called- I have to go back on the red bull the red bull ruling uh, red bull versus oh yeah whatever dickhead team we beat last time <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember last time i do a lot of <laughs> red bull Thank you, judge. <laughs> it was uh basically what it came down to is uh you asked the question is it the immediate significance or the pop culture significance and we ruled that it had to be the pop culture significance yes but over time if we want to look of overall good done unto the world uh you know superman being paralyzed led to something very impactful to the human race america online just had like two 16 year old dudes jerking off to each other because <laughs> one's a 27 f from fucking new york Amen. what about aol instant messenger man that, that 1500 hours was enough time to download four pictures yeah you know what and fucking michael jordan was a shitty baseball player it's true I'm gonna, and, oh my... yeah if he hadn't made it we wouldn't have had space jam 
<laughs> oh, God. I wish we didn't have Space Jam. Oh, fuck. Uh, you know what? We're going to give this one to Six Demon Bag. <laughs> I think the fix is in, Mark. Oh. It's in. The fix is nonsense, in. Nonsense. Nonsense. Nobody's gotten a nine yet. <laughs> oh, By know. the way, fun fact. <laughs> Fun fact with a 95 Rookie of the Year, <laughs> two Hall of Famers, Jason Kidd and Grant Hill, were Rookie of the Year in 1995. Oh, man. So, Don't start that. Mark will start filleting Grant Hill. <laughs> <laughs> He's already thinking hey, about stop. it. Grant Hill. <laughs> A.K.A. Achilles. <laughs> Bring up Grant Hill, I start to blush. <laughs> All right. So you guys take control of the board once again. Uh, two points to one. Two point rounds. And we are in the uh, two point three. rounds. Fine. I'll pick. You guys are creeping me the fuck out. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is an audio podcast. <laughs> All right, let's go with uh, <laughs> let's go with uh, television for 200. Alex, let's see. In May of 1995, on May 20th, 1995, was the final episode of a show that lasted 14 years, starring Ed McMahon, called Star Search. Uh, where basically so many careers in pop culture got their big break from uh, Dave Chappelle, Dana Gould, Aaliyah, uh, Drew Carey, Britney Spears, Adam Sandler, Kevin James. Oh, Dennis hold on. Miller, Britney Spears Rosie started O'Connell. on Disney, bro. Nope. As on Star Search back in the early 90s, Destiny's Child, uh, e- even guys like uh, Pitbull um, <laughs> were on there. That's it's, it's on the internet. Sinbad, Usher, yeah, Sinbad, yeah, Usher, Raymond. Boys. Everybody was on Star Search. Uh, and fun fact, not a lot of them won. <laughs> <laughs> of all the people that won, like the end of the year things I was looking at over the years, uh, the only one that really did anything was Christina Aguilera. Uh, everybody else, it's like eh, never heard of them. They were the Clay Aikens of Star Search. So it, it gave them it gave them the motivation to continue and hone mm-hmm. in on their skill to then conquer comedy singing whatever whatever every form of pop culture become triple threats and we have star search to thank for that yeah and because that show was uh you know not that good they decided <laughs> to remake it years later as american Idol. yeah they, they i think they even brought it back for a year or so with uh, arsenio hall hosting but yeah it was just because american idol was on and then just a few days after star search ended our hearts were broken when the final episode of Full House aired. Full, full House? Full House ran from 1987 to 1995. Cut it out. Have mercy. <laughs> I don't remember the final episode. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone stopped watching it after season three. Like, no, no two ways about it. Autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> <laughs> what, killed, what killed Full House? Was it? When Uncle Jesse got married. Yeah. Well, no, he had already been married because then they end up having two, the twins. Yeah, yeah um, the twins So that's not what killed it. I, I think it just, like, the audience had grown up. And, no, know. well, also what did not help it was, uh, yeah, that the twins each wanted their own role and they couldn't split Michelle into two at that point. And so they right. weren't going to do another season because they were busy making, like, Nickelodeon movies and that. But they could because she did play the Greek cousin in an episode. 
It's true. <laughs> so they could have just went to college together. Perfect strangers. Boom. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so the final episode yeah. is Michelle Rides Again, part two, where uh, Michelle suffers amnesia and the rest of the gang have to try and help her by remembering her past. Sounds like a porn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's also part the name two. of her sex tape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, part one was way better. Yeah, I totally gave up after. But, uh, I think once they got ma- Uncle Jesse got married... And they moved into the attic. I think yep. the show was done. And then uh, Danny got married, too. My daughter's into the show. She watches it every night. And I don't understand why. Every episode, she's like, that episode was really lame. Why do you watch this every <laughs> night? That is how Full House gets you. Because I remember sitting there watching it like, I don't like this, but I'm watching it. Yeah. It's like the fucking <laughs> yeah, Jersey Shore. People are watching. People it's, are watching this. It's got to be good eventually, it's right? It's good, wholesome fun. The thing is, like, <laughs> it's not knock your socks off, but it is, like, it's comfort food. You just, like, it's your mom's meatloaf. It may be the, it, for some people, it's the greatest meatloaf in the world. For other people, it's like, ugh, mom made meatloaf again. But you're going to keep eating it. It's not just because you don't want to see your mom cry. <laughs> yeah, my dad did that, too. My dad kept yeah. eating it because he didn't want to see my mom cry it's either. Food. <laughs> That's another story for another podcast. <laughs> All right, so we had uh, Full House and Star Search. Yeah. Why don't you start? Because I love you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, May 17th, 1985, we had more than 300 million viewers in 80 countries tune in and witness the deadly hit and run that killed Bobby Ewing in the season eight finale of the hit show Dallas. Soap opera, bold choice. Look at look at Mike Rager's face right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you had cast members, real cast members doing real tears as their buddy Patrick Duffy was on his deathbed in the show. Most would say that this death was also what killed Dallas at that point. In season nine, the show fell from being a perennial number one nighttime soap opera to number seven. This is where it got interesting, though. They killed off Bobby. Patrick Duffy was just looking for greener pastures in the movie business. He heard through the grapevine that he was going to be this big star. It didn't pan out. So the show goes to shit. Larry Hagman, the guy that plays JR, he hated everyone on the set. Producers, directors, everyone. They changed people over. Something needed to be done. So in like a in knee-jerk fashion, one year later in the closing moments of Dallas's ninth season finale, Pamela Ewing wakes up to the sound of running water. She walks into the bathroom where she saw her ex-husband, Bobby Ewing, the guy that just died by a hit and run. <laughs> Taking a shower, greets her with a smile, and he's like, hey, what's going on? Like, what's wrong? The uh, the Associated Press calls it the most famous shower scene <laughs> since Psycho, and uh, viewers were shocked. But here, here's the thing that is crazy about the whole thing. So a year later, the show went to shit, so they bring him back. It never helped. They never got back to number one. But since they turned that into a dream, one long dream, it essentially wiped out an entire year of continuity on the show. It resurrected one actors that was uh, killed in like an, uh, a bombing. Yeah. Uh, it it erased uh, Pam's marriage to Beck. And it just killed uh, the audience's whole faith in the show. There are so many layers to the Bobby Ewing death on May 17th, 1985. But 300 million people tuned in to see this very show and see him die and get hit by a car to only come back one year later 
taking a shower. Good pick. Solid show. Uh, see, I couldn't find anything very good. I had to go with a replacement show. Uh, there was a show on May 11th, 1985, that ran in the time slot that was normally assigned to uh, Saturday Night Live. Uh, it was a show that was produced by uh, Dick Ebersol, and uh, he was in cohorts with the owner of the company, Mr. Vince McMahon. When they premiered their show, Saturday Night's Main Event. Oh, what was that? Uh, it was one of the only times where you got to see Hulk Hogan wrestle on television. Um, he only wrestled at the big events at the time. Then SNL executive producer Dick Ebersol had made a deal with WWF owner Vince McMahon to produce the show. Um, it had become a major success, taking wrestling to a whole new level. It helped introduce the rock and wrestling era, which debuted shortly after that. Um, it was a tremendous rating success for NBC. Uh, most notably was the March 14th, 87 show, which drew 11.6 rating. In that time slot. That's insane. Yeah, in that time slot. So May 11th, 1985, the debut of Saturday night's main event changed wrestling and sports entertainment. For the rest of eternity. <laughs> no, no exaggeration at all. No, in typical wrestling fashion. So you guys went with two soap operas, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, cool. cool fun facts of soap operas in our day, uh, As the World Turns had their 10,000th episode in May of 1995. That was a close third. <laughs> we actually had a pilot that started in uh, May of 1985 as well called Gabby and the Bears. And in that pilot, was Hulk Hogan. Can you imagine for a minute if Gabby and the Bears had been picked up in May of 1985 and they made that into a show, the landscape of wrestling as we know it would have been completely obliterated. Yeah, because he would have been too busy to wrestle. Oh, yeah. He would have been on syndicated TV. Luckily, Gabby and the Bears did not get picked up. And then we got but... Mr. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> But we did get the greatest champion of all time, in my opinion. Brother. Leg drop hey. and all do is. And you cannot forget, we did get Thunder in Paradise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we also got Mr. Nanny and Suburban Commando. <laughs> I was frozen today. And we got a really grainy, shitty sex tape, too. Uh, well, what are you going to do? Brother? Huge cock. <laughs> Apparently your best friend's <laughs> wife, but <laughs> all right. On to the honorable Mike Ranger for the ruling. All right, six demon bag. You, you guys had me with Full House. You reeled me in. You lost me with Star Search. Now Dallas, I remember. My, I remember my parents racing home from my grandmother's house because my father could not figure out how to set the timer to the VCR. Did he hit Bobby Ewing? <laughs> <laughs> Is that where the stories go? I'm, I'm, I'm not at liberty to answer that question. No, it was just a dream. Uh, and to this day, I'm still a Hulkamaniac, so I'm going to award this one to the Mama Lukes. That means it's coming down to the last round. we got to finish up with movies. I love it when it comes down to this. This is this is the yeah. cooker right here. Not no nine to one thrashing of last month's team. Glad we could at least get on the board. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for the final round, I got this man crush. Let me start this one out because I am going with one of the greatest comedies ever. And that is 1985's Fletch with Chevy Chase. It is still considered 
one of the greatest comedies ever. They've been talking about remaking it for years. They never have. Um, it's every time that they talk about remaking it, it gets shelved time and time again. But the movie originally had brought had a budget of $8 million, did not quite make that back opening weekend, made just over $7 million, over $50 million gross in its initial run. Um, but again, has become a cult favorite in the years to pass. That's $117 million in today's money. Today, that's, that's a huge, yeah, it's a huge flick. For a comedy. You know why? Because of uh, Tim Matheson's cameo or George Wendt? No, it's all about the ball bearings. <laughs> oh, it's all man. about the ball bearings. All right, so you, you going with Fletch? No, I'm not going with Fletch. <laughs> I love a, uh, a steak sandwich and uh, uh, another steak sandwich. Uh, who's the count should I charge that to? Uh, 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 John Cocktosin? Cock <laughs> <laughs> oh shit i love that movie all right so the movie that I, I love that i love fletch i was gonna pick that movie too it's hard for me uh but the movie i'm gonna select was released on may 22nd 1985 and i hear a lot that i look like the star from this film ron jeremy <laughs> no nah, we're not doing porn no nah, the other guy i'll give you well <laughs> uh, there might have been some porn here. Oh, uh, there was. There was a slight, there was a slight. He broke. He broke in. A little, he, a little bit yeah, of porn. He, just, he just a little. In. Well, here's here's an introduction to the main character. Born July 6, nineteen forty seven, Bowie, Arizona, of Indian and German descent. He joined the army August the sixth, nineteen sixty four. Accepted to the Special Forces Specialization in Light Weapons. Cross-trained as a medic. Helicopter and language qualified. 59 confirmed kills. Two silver stars. Four bronze stars. Four purple hearts. Distinguished Service Cross. And the Medal of Honor. Do we have any guesses who this man is? John Rambo? That's right. It is John That's... J. Rambo. And the movie we're talking about is Rambo First Blood Part 2. Which is the better of the <laughs> greatest <story>. title ever? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's awesome though because according to the stats given by douchebag Marshall Murdoch, Rambo had fifty nine confirmed kills during his Vietnam tour, which probably lasted a couple of years. And that said, Rambo kills seventy five people during the course of First Blood Part Two, which spans like thirty six hours, where he's dropped in there. So basically, in two days, most of which is like the last twenty four hours. Rambo kills more people than the entire time he was in Nam. Oh no, he was actually only posted in Vietnam for like six weeks. Well, oh, I mean, we're talking uh, and then they transferred hours. him to like Hawaii because he was just too efficient. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how badass this guy is, though. You got to give him some some credit. John J. Rambo is responsible for a total of four hundred and forty-five kills in four movies. He had 254 in Rambo, 115 in Rambo 3, 75 in First Blood Part 2, and just one in First Blood, which... That's controversial yeah. whether that's his fault. Yeah, well, I mean, the helicopter <laughs> went down, so you got to give it to Gravity him. Sucks. But he, Do you know what he did to the budget in that first movie? Do you know how many body bags they ordered? <laughs> <laughs> they had a, hey, he warned him. He said you better order the body bags. You know, keep in mind, too, that another Rambo just got announced. So he's he's out to take the record, man. He's Now he's going to Mexico. Uh, but you know what? Numbers are crazy everywhere in his kill counts. 
So thanks to Rambo Wiki for hooking me up with the uh, the stats on that because there was no way that I was going to count every single one of those. But <laughs> he's the most dangerous one-man army in the history of film. The movie went on to make $300 million worldwide, $702 million worldwide in 2018. This is a huge movie. And also think about the R rating. Deadpool made $783 million worldwide. So this is pretty damn close to what Deadpool made a couple years back. So this is a huge movie. And it was nominated for an Oscar for special effects. James Cameron co-wrote the movie. So, I mean, just Cameron's name alone tied to anything is just about a guaranteed win. And last thing, it's the first American film ever to appear in 2000 U.S. theaters. Interesting. So with Rambo 5 coming out, what you're saying is... Nothing is over! <laughs> no. Never! And he's in his 70s, man. How badass is this shit going to be? <laughs> I'm waiting for Rambo 6 when uh, Rambo's going to go to space. No, he's killing everybody Ram- in the retirement home at that one. Nice. No, I want Rambo 6 in space. We had Leprechaun in space. We had Jason in space. Yeah. Why not Rambo? What? Fast- we had Machete. Fast and Furious Once is going to be five, there number 10. Space. That's Anything my money. after it's 5 is fair game. I'm a firm <laughs> believer on that. Fast and the Furious is right, going Leonard to space. Part six. Police Academy is coming up. <laughs> Police Academy should have went to space. I'm that's what I'm talking about, man. Yep. Yes. That's what before that's time. ruined the franchise. Yeah, they should have been the oh, fucking Moon Patrol. Well, that's they were going to try to, you know, hitch a ride to the space station during yeah. the mission to Moscow, but it fell hey, through. Since, <laughs> since we're going, this is the last round. This decides it all. It doesn't matter that it's three points to two right now. Whoever wins this round takes it. So I think we need to drop our box offices for that month if you guys have them. Let me read you ours. This is our top 10 for the end of the month of May 1985. Of course, Rambo, First Blood Part 2 is number one. We got A View to a Kill, awesome Bond movie, Brewster's Millions, Beverly Hills Cop, Code of Silence, Desperately Seeking Susan, Witness, one of my favorites, Gotcha, Police Academy 2, and The Secret of the Sword, rounding it out at 10. Just recently watched Brewster's Millions again. Delightful. What a film. fantastic movie that is. What a great concept. Really, really, really good. I can't, love it, that movie. It really holds Ed, up. When you're, when you're 40 years old and you're rewatching it, do you try to figure out if he's breaking the rules through the movie? Because that's what I was doing the other night. I was no, like, yeah. I always try to figure out <laughs> yes. like, how I would spend the money and how quick could I get rid of it. You know? <sighs> Lots of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why didn't he do drugs? Oh, that's a good point. But he couldn't. That's what he I couldn't would. destroy anything <laughs> that would leave him with value at the end. So that's why I, like, I never understood because in the beginning they said you can't buy artwork and destroy it, but he bought that stamp and then used it. He did. He did. Yeah. That's not yeah. destroyed. It wasn't destroyed. But, it was technically spent, but it's still it's collectible. Not, right. It's not destroying it because that's its intended use. Uh, so if he would have bought like a bunch of coke and flushed it, that would be destroyed. But it's illegal. He could have flushed it up his nose. Yeah, but if he went up his nose, crapped it out, then flushed it, perfectly legal. He should have got married right. and lost everything in a divorce. Vegas, baby. Oh, it's possible. <laughs> All right, excellent. Well, for our movies for May of 1995, May 24th, 1995, uh, a little movie came out from a, a first-time director, uh, but he was a big star. His name was Mel Gibson. Had a nine point nine million dollar opening weekend, seventy five point six million uh, in America and two hundred seven worldwide for his directorial debut, Braveheart. 
which ended up winning Best Picture, Best Director, and I think three other awards. I can't think of offhand. I don't have it pulled up. But uh, yeah, basically took a guy who was, oh, is that Aussie guy from the Lethal Weapon movies? And uh, confirmed him as a major Hollywood player and director. Um, and then years later, there's Passion of the Christ and then severe mental breakdown. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but still. Uh, Hates the Jews. Braveheart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Braveheart, the incredible movie. Uh, I remember watching it as a 14-year-old for the first time and just thinking, what, one of the first times I, I was so engrossed in a movie that it was just beautifully shot. The score is amazing. Did you cry when his penis got ripped off? <laughs> when he screamed out, Freedom! <laughs> that wouldn't be the first little, thing that maybe, came to my maybe head. Maybe a cheer. During that. Maybe a cheer. <laughs> you know, I was 14. I was a young man. Not the penis! <laughs> some, some men are longer than others. <laughs> <laughs> All right, solid pick. Solid pick. This is going to be tough. Thank you, thank you. Uh, for my movie pick, for... Opening on uh, May 19th, 1995, to a uh, $22.1 million opening, a sequel to movie everybody loves, franchise we all, you can't live without, comes Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Bruce Willis <laughs> and Sam Jackson together again after Pulp Fiction. Oh, that's Boom. the worst one. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a turning point in that franchise. <laughs> yeah, we're at peaked. We know. Yeah, that's what we're saying. After that, it was all crap, <laughs> no, 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 but no, no. it peaked with with a vengeance. I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously, Hans Gruber's brother. Yeah, played by so Jeremy popular. Irons, the poor man's Alan Rickman, yeah. back and seeking oh. vengeance. <laughs> no, J- Jeremy Irons is great, but, but yeah, <laughs> not in that movie. What? Already. That's my least. Uh, I, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you cannot deny. I see it in your face. The best bit in the whole movie is with the uh, the clapboard. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing where he's on oh, the corner yeah. of the street. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. And then uh, we were talking about uh, the top ten grossing films. Yeah. Of the just, year? No, no, no. Just right? the month. The month. The month. I have two of them written down for the month. Uh, I know. Casper also came out oh, good on one. Uh, May 26th. <laughs> uh, actually, a $17 yeah. million dollar opening, and it actually just edged out Die Hard with a Vengeance for overall gross from that year. I know, I was surprised too. Christina Ricci. I was like, a lot of kids. Um, I always yeah. edge when I watch Casper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then also uh, Crimson Tide on May 12th for Denzel Washington, Gene Hackman of Superman 4 fame. Uh, that's gross, the movie uh, you choose for Gene Hackman <laughs> <laughs> and some some French movie too uh, about connecting something but yeah wow, that's pretty ironic because I'm, I'm usually edging while watching Casper during the Crimson Tide so <laughs> so for May the top 10 number one was Casper the friendly ghost kills everything number two is Die Hard with a Vengeance. Number three is The Crimson Tide. Number four, Braveheart. Number five, French Kiss. Number six, Forget Paris. Number seven, a movie none of you'll forget, Johnny Bunonic. <laughs> Henry Rollins. Yeah, where, where he was able to download like almost an entire gig into his brain. Yeah, yeah, full gig storage. Uh, number eight, Mad Love. 
Number nine, a movie near and dear to Steve's heart, Tales from the Hood. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, number geez. ten, my family. So what were your two picks? What were the two movies you guys picked? Uh Braveheart and Die Hard with a Vengeance. Okay. And you said Braveheart was the number four movie <laughs> and that lost out to Casper? Well, it hadn't yeah. won its so Academy you... Awards yet. Well, it'd become a cold right. hit afterwards <laughs> once people saw it, and of course it won Best Picture, Best Director. <laughs> Best cinematographer, yeah, best how many, everything. How many Academy Awards are in your guys' movies? Uh, we actually won for special effects. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Was that for Fletch? <laughs> no, for <laughs> Rambo First Blood Part 2, man. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. yes that's right. all, all those squibs. That's right. Oh, listen, look at all the spots. Like, they, they burn his face. They blow up that dude with the uh, the arrow. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, uh, blow yeah, up the arrow blew up. Yep. <laughs> the explosive arrow, yeah. To kill his girlfriend. All right, you're, you're, you're both, both you guys are making very solid arguments. And I got to be honest with you, I really like all of the films on, on that you guys chose. But we need to, we need to settle this. And I think I've come up with a pretty good way to, to, to end it. I'm going to test your knowledge on your picks. What does Rambo want at the end of First Blood Part 2? He wants Murdoch. At the end of the film, they ask Rambo what he wants, and he turns around and he tells him exactly what he wants. I know earlier on he wants to know if they're going to (laughs) win. Can I buzz in? You can steal the points. Is it that he wants to love his country and his country to love their soldiers? Well, no, that... Yeah, that You're does. Close. You're that does close. happen to. Pretty close. Yeah. yeah, that's basically the, the movie ends with him saying that uh, he wants uh, his country to the country to love them as much as he love they love it. Obviously, obviously, I've reenacted this last scene way too many times when I'm by myself. <laughs> All right, now for six demon bag. Your question is in Die Hard with a Vengeance. They they ask a very simple question that any patriotic American should know. Who was the 21st president of the United States? Chester A. Arthur. You are correct. And the win goes to the six demon bag. Boom! Wind, fire, all sorts of things. Oh, my God. God. The first time the Mamelukes have ever tasted defeat. I'm in shock. I'm in shock because it all goes back to like three rounds ago where Mike tossed it to them for music. (laughs) For fucking Montel Jordan. This is my court. This, this is how we do it. This, this is my court, and in my court, this is how we do you're, it. You're fired. You're fired. I wouldn't be dancing ah, over there. Look, you did throw out I just muted him, and he can't even talk. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> you can't just fire everybody you disagree with. <laughs> what are you, Trump? <laughs> All right, he could talk again. Oh, man. I'm debating this one. You're going to debate this one? You're going to bring this under review? You can go. Go right to the board. Take it up to the Supreme Court. I don't care. All right. So final score. We uh, we came down. It was four to three for the uh, six semen bag. <laughs> <laughs> Not the, the six semen bag? Yeah. There's nothing like a, a good old six semen bag well, don't, to take don't home worry, the championship. Yes, you guys do get right? some yes, pretty right. fine parting gifts. You get a lifetime supply of blue M&M's. <laughs> and six bags of semen. Yes. You, you may regret that decision later. There's a lot of M&M's we can eat. Hey, thank you guys for coming on the show. 
and all dynasties come to an end. That's all I gotta say. You guys will be back. You'll bounce no, back. No, give him a full plug before. this time. We didn't get a chance to last time. Yeah, <laughs> last time you got you guys shafted me. No. Uh, again, our podcast. <laughs> no, I was kidding. Uh, our podcast. Everything I learned from movies. We review. We review uh, bad to questionable movies and uh, basically watch them so you don't have to and pass the lesson lessons on to you. And drink great beer. We drink great beer. <laughs> Uh, we also have our mini episodes and some great interviews actually coming yeah. up. Uh, we have past ones, about seven or eight great celebrities from Spenel Thorson to Dana Gould to mm-hmm. Kat, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart. Um, Where would you find all of this, Steve? You would find it at eilfm.podbean.com. And uh, our latest episode, uh, what was our latest one? Missing in Action, right? Yeah. yeah. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris Cannon Films. Um, and then coming out nice. on Friday, we have uh, legendary character actor Bruce Spence of uh, Star Wars and Mad Max fame yeah. and whatnot, uh, Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, everything. Uh, and uh, we got a little interview with him, and he uh, tells us about his long and incredible career. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is what he calls his penis. If I wanted to find right. poop culture, where would I find it? Uh poopculture.com <laughs> is that a question i'm not good at questions right now just ray arthur don't test me on stuff now all right well thanks a lot guys for coming on the show and uh competing with us not for beating us though you guys can fuck right <laughs> off with that. but uh oh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> but if you guys are looking for poop culture of course you can go over to www.poopculture.com or get a hold of us over on the twitter machine we are at poop culture and Poop Culture Podcast over on Facebook, where you can also join the Poopers group. All right, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Let us know what you think of it. Thanks for tuning in to the Duel of the Decades. Until next time, fellow poopers, we're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a great week, fellow poopers. What you just heard was a podcast in the Poop Culture Extended Universe. For more great podcasts, make your way to www.poopculture.com. To women who hoped to evade the ticking clock of time, Dr. Frederick Brandt was the most potent drug dealer in the world. And the dealer got high on his own supply. From Imperative Entertainment and the team behind Broken Hearts comes a new series that will challenge everything you know about fame, fortune, and the fear of growing old. I'm Justine Harmon, and this is The Baron of Botox. To women who hoped to evade the ticking clock of time, Dr. Frederick Brandt was the most potent drug dealer in the world. And the dealer got high on his own supply. From Imperative Entertainment and the team behind Broken Hearts comes a new series that will challenge everything you know about fame, fortune, and the fear of growing old. I'm Justine Harmon, and this is The Baron of Botox.